0: Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So let's design success together. Now, your hosts. Hey, folks, welcome back. It's Eric here, and uh, Steven's back with us this week. How you doing, Steven?
1: I'm good. It's good to be able to talk to everybody out there. I missed you guys last week.
0: Yeah, so uh, how are things going uh, during your quarantine and uh, new normal?
1: Yeah, it is the normal, so it's hard to call it the new normal after, you know, five or six weeks of it now, but uh, things are good, I cannot complain, Um learning many, many new recipes, so I am eating well, uh, I, have a, I have a spouse that's going to be having birth here in a couple months, so we're getting ready for that, so, you know, it's my focus has been a little bit on that, to say the least, and then obviously just making sure, you know, work-wise, people are being taken care of, so, um, yeah, how about you, Eric?
0: So it's it's been interesting. Um, uh, you know, initially I was one of those people that said I couldn't telework and just wasn't for me. But I've I've settled into a groove. Uh, I think I work more while I'm uh, virtual than I do in the actual office because there's no distractions, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm you know spending more time with the kids and seeing what my wife goes through day to day and I will tell you, um,
1: empathy, right? Empathy,
0: Absolutely. New, uh, I wouldn't say it's a newfound respect, but I would say I respect her a lot more cause, uh, it is, it is a challenge. They well, want- here's the
1: question. What's Have up? you given her that feedback?
0: Absolutely. And good. she looks at me and she says, I've been telling you. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess I wasn't That's listening.
1: A- well, it makes marriages stronger, man. You guys are communicating. That's good stuff.
0: Yeah, we both looked at each other today and uh, we had to take a, a, a deep breath because uh, the kids want to be entertained all day long. And for folks that don't know, yeah. I, got a, I got a five and three year old and Steven's got a three year old. So, um, Well, we
1: should also then shout out those teachers and educators that, you know, do the entertaining of our kids five days a week if they're in school, you know,
0: just imagine they have a whole class of people.
1: Oh, my gosh. Right. <laughs> of, of,
0: of little minds that um, are trying to be developed and they are. Um, They're a handful. So I I could just imagine, uh, especially my youngest daughter, who's three, her teacher has a whole room full of three year olds.
1: I think I understand why they have those teacher in service days now. They just need a break.
0: (laughs) I just need to breathe because it's it's a challenge. But um, it's interesting because, you know, my kids, I think they're starting to understand what's going on because we talk about it very often of Mm -hmm. the place that we're in. And, um, it doesn't matter. They still want to wake up early and they want to be entertained every hour of the day. So, um,
1: you know, that's cool that, you know, even given the situation we're in, the lack of getting out in the car and just going places, you know, they still have the perspective of, you know, today's a fun day. It's nice outside. Let's go play. Come on, yeah. daddy. You know?
0: Yeah, dad, I don't care it's about good. your. I don't care about your bum. knee. You get out here and run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But now, so, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're back on this week. Uh, we had, um uh, one of my buddies from Harvard on who's an educator and he wanted to talk about life after COVID and uh, he had written an article that I happened to read and you know he was a little surprised that I read it but um turned out to <laughs> turn out to be a pretty I'm good I'm
1: glad that we that yeah, we get some more readership for him because it, it was a good podcast I'm glad that you had that opportunity to talk with him
0: yeah so here we are this week and uh, you know I want to start this session off by uh giving a shout out to an organization that I was a. Uh, that I had the privilege of sitting in on one of their leadership uh, trainings, uh, konu.org. Um, so when I was back at Harvard, uh, one of my professors, Tim O'Brien, had uh, tipped me off to this organization. Um, and really, what they're, they're students of Harvard. You know, they've gone through the Harvard Kennedy School, and they facilitate work groups to work through, you know, leadership challenges, and and they talk about leadership, and they help coach, mentor executives. On things that we can put in our kit bag. And this last week was very entertaining because it really distinguished the difference between authority and leadership. So that's what we're going to talk about today in our own perspective. You know, what do we think authority is? And I'll give some formal definitions that were provided. Um, And then, you know, what's the definition of leadership? And then, you know, how does that play into our world today? And how do we share that with with others out there um, that are struggling with some leadership challenges?
1: Yeah, I think we misconstrue the two all the time and especially where we work and just with my walk of life with different people I talk to, um, you know, a title does not equal leadership. I think we're going to get into that in a second here. So, Eric, I think the let's, let's set up the foundation. I think that's a good opportunity and then maybe go through our interpretations of that and what we believe it should, it actually is.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we'll go for a while today and talk about talk through it and Uh, Talk about that fine line, because I think there's even another third domain here, which is called management. Um, But, you know, uh, yeah, let's let's just jump into it. And um, so authority. Right. What is it? Um, And the formal definition of authority is it's a role. Right. Authority is a role given to you by an institution um, or by someone with more authority than you have. So you're someone that's you're placed into this this position of authority, right? So you have some power um, to, to provide, you know, a service or safe space for individuals to thrive in. Um, right. And, and there's two types of authority, right? One is formal and the other one's informal. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Steve?
1: Yeah. So where we work, you know, it's something that first comes to mind is each of our jobs has this formal position description that kind of lays out your role, quote unquote, inside of the organization, um, and I think it's kind of formalized in the sense of when you accept said job, you're accepting the job responsibilities, duties, assignments that are on that position description, which is classified, quote unquote, also by another entity, um, an HR organization, to make sure that it's you know scored. Um, it's it's a document that can be looked at not only. By your superiors, the others that work with, when for you, if it is the position that you're put into. So I think that's part of it. Um, some of a, from a formal stance, if you were like said CEO, CIOs, chief operating officer, just some team lead, uh, you know, inside of an organization. I think that's where my mind kind of goes to first. Um, and then conversely to that, I think you know there's these efforts that you work on inside of an organization that potentially. You might have a charter behind it or some kind of a, you know, an authoritative document that says, you know, you are donned the lead on this thing and you are given this task with these resources that are assigned to you. Um, And here is your scope, so to speak, for the project or if it's an effort or an activity or whatever it is. With some kind of a deliverable or due date i think of it as very prescriptive in nature what about you
0: No, i I think i agree with you because i I think you know there's also different ways of looking at there's people in positions of authority um because you know at the top of an organization and we have to follow them because we're told to right they have the formal position authority they can influence um whether or not we have a job or not right um, or we're given formal authority when we come on board, and they say, hey, here's, "Here's your position. Here are your technical duties, um, and then here's your workforce to enable to um, do those functions that you've been hired to do." So I, I look at that as formal authority, um, and also would you look
1: at like, would you look at like an organizational structure or a chart as also de- defining that formal authority? Would you see that as equivalent?
0: I think so. Right. The the more hierarchical. Um, org charts that we see, um, where you know you have a CEO, CFO, COO, or you have a division director, manager, right, um, that has the formal authority to um, to govern, right, what we do and how we do it. Um, also, Is it
1: important for it to be documented, or do you think it's just kind of street knowledge? What do you think?
0: No, I think it, I think it's formally documented. I think that okay. the, the the roles, responsibilities, and functions of that individual are well defined. Um, and shared with the workforce so everyone knows um, who's in charge, right? And then ultimately who's accountable for X. Um, And then I also look at like people in positions where there's uh, technical authority, technical leadership ability, like a doctor, for example. If you were to break your arm, Stephen, and you go to the doctor or you break a leg or something, or you're not feeling well, um, you give up all your authority to this individual who has all the formal authority in that moment and they get to the exercise their technical leadership as a SME. Um, I think that could be another way of looking at it as well. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, based on the – it kind of gets into that, you know, common knowledge if you have this title, this kind of means synonymously across all walks of life that you should be making these kind of decisions if it's from a financial, an economic, an operational perspective. Um, and then, you know, that's a great vignette or an example of, you know, if your child does get injured and you go to a doctor or the hospital, I mean, you truly are at their mercy, so to speak, of making any kind of a a care decision in that moment, which is a great segue to kind of where we are today. You know, a lot of people are looking for that kind of guidance in this environment that we're in where nobody knows anything and we're all kind of figuring out at the same time. And, you know, I would say typically, people want that formal authority to to help them, at least in that initial phase of said action took place, we're in that period of uncertainty for however long that's defined to be, and while you're in that, what we've also termed as the grip, when when you're kind of in that uncomfort zone, uh, you really need the people that have been there before potentially or in those formal positions that... Can kind of lead and guide and make the decisions albeit tough decisions um and then get you through to that next phase of where things are starting to level out and kind of baseline a little bit
0: yeah just to share like a personal vignette too is because uh um you know my mother-in-law who had a bum knee um so you know my wife um is basically she's a daughter you know single child takes care of mom you know all her needs um and i would say has that formal authority, um, to a sense. Um, but you know, through this whole COVID thing, uh, my wife took my mother-in-law the other day to the hospital and gets into the hospital with my mother-in-law and the, the nurse looked at her and says, what are you doing here? Um, <laughs> after, you know, looking at my mother-in-law, she looks at my wow. wife and says, what are you doing? She was like, well, I'm the daughter. She was like, yeah, you need to go. Uh, We got it from here. So uh, my wife came home and said, you know, in that moment, I felt, you know, helpless because I couldn't be there for my mother. But I told my I told my wife because I had just went through the session. I told her I was like, yeah, well, all your formal authority went out the window and you had zero informal authority over the situation. So you had to turn over all of that power to now the doctors who are going to look at her knees and have that expertise um, to, to take care of the situation and get her patched up and and out. So, um, it was kind of funny though, uh, because sometimes we're not ready for that, right?
1: No. Well, I was going to say for your mother-in-law too, she also had to be courageous enough to walk into the hospital without your wife and know that, you know, the doctors there had her best interests at heart without her daughter to be kind of by her side, to be her support in that moment. I mean, that's a hard position to be
0: in. But it gets kind of to where we're at, too, uh, when we were talking about, you know, your appointed authority because of your role. So in that moment, that nurse, you know, and those doctors at the hospital, they've been entrusted, and they've been given the power over um, the patients that are there to, to make sure that they can put their SME hat on and take care of them. And, you know, there's a level of trust that uh, my mother-in-law has to give them um, some of that, you know, that uh, be vulnerable in that moment and trusting that they're going to take care of her and get her patched up and out. And I think that uh, we go through that every day um, with with folks in positions of authority um, is giving up some of that, giving up some of that power that we would normally hold to ourselves and trust that they're going to, you know, care for us and and let you know leverage their expertise to to take care of us and give us a good uh holding environment
1: yeah i think just to, at the end of the day have our best interests at heart versus some kind of a selfish um you know just internal motivation instead of having like the greater good at heart while they're making these decisions in that period of crisis i think and i'm i don't want to get political so we're not going to but yeah. you know You know, you talked about the medical community. We really have to trust in them in this moment. You know, we also have to look at our elected leaders. We elect them to not only govern us in times of peace and tranquility and, you know, continuously improving the way that we live with laws and other regulations and stuff that get brought up by the citizens. But when things hit the fan, just like we are right now, we need them to kind of, take the helm and we kind of step back and we have to fully trust that they do have, you know, our best intentions at heart as their constituency, you know?
0: Yeah. So that's a good question. So I'll throw another question or I'm sorry, that's a good point, but I'll throw a question at you. You know, what are some of your expectations of people in authority? Like what are those things that, um, that you, what competencies do you feel that need to have for you to trust them, um, with that authority?
1: Yeah, so I want to think more holistically. So I'm not going to think of like a government leader, but if I'm thinking of qualities or competencies of a formal authoritarian person, um, obviously they need to be somewhat empathetic. They need to be able to not only see it from my perspective, but other perspectives. They need to be able to be decisive and make decisions. Um, They need to be kind of able to analyze information in a somewhat quick way, Because like I said, when we get to those periods of uncertainty that happen in a relatively quick amount of time, they're the ones that are going to have to sit there and make the tough decision with limited information or data that potentially I can't see. So they're going to have to have that ability to analyze quickly. I think at the end of the day, just to be a human, I think the humanity aspect of it as well, um, and not be so robotic about it or algorithmic about it, I think there's a reason why people are in positions of authority, not computers or, you know, like models and and Alexa at the end of the day, like that should not be happening. So that's kind of where I'm at. What about you?
0: Now, it's interesting that you bring that last piece up about the, uh, you know, you know, we're both in the realm of technology and, you know, we hear things like AI and machine learning, et cetera, and all these, you know, cloud technologies that are out there that can crunch big data and all that um, to make decisions that, we've been talking about this for like a decade and even today in 2020 here on April 19th. I mean, I've yet to see a model or a computer that can sit there and look at what's going on in the world today and make a decision on whether or not we spare, um, a life or we put people on quarantine or how to react to this. I think it's all about, um, weighing, um, weighing all of this heavy stuff and, making a decision. And, you know, your heart's going to have a lot of it. There's going to be some emotion in there. There's going to be some logic in there. There's going to be experts that have gone through this and they can look at the models and discern information to help inform um, our, our decision makers. But um, I think for me, it's, it's all about um, someone that's able to synthesize the data, um, take in the human element of everything, um, make a decisive uh, decision, take decisive action um, and being able to exercise that leadership um, all of the time and and while doing that, not compromise their values. So, you know, you know, sometimes we see decisions being made that benefit the individual and not the holistic um, body, you know, that needs yeah. that needs that leadership in the moment. Um, so. Yeah, I I would say it's making those decisions without compromising yourself um, and taking that all in and being being a human about it and and really focusing on the people.
1: I'll add one more just because you jogged another kind of idea for me. I think as the formal authority are are making the decisions or taking action or whatever they're happening to do, I think the decisions that they make should not be in that kind of reactive mode. Albeit some of them will be. I think the majority should be in more of a proactive or aligned to again what you said about the values, the culture, the vision, the strategy. If if it's if it's truly possible still to stay grounded into that kind of base layer foundation of if it's an organization, if it's your family, if it's you know, the the peers and friends that you have. The decisions need to make sense at the end of the day. They can't come out of left field because it felt good yesterday. And then today you make a 180 and make a completely different decision without any kind of logic behind it.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I always talk about, um, you know, whether, you know, I've said it a few times, even on our Leadership is Tricky podcast. But um, even in our conversations that you and I have, Steve, or I have with my employees, is that sometimes making decisions are going to be uncomfortable and unpopular. Right, and I think that yep. as leaders, um, with especially when you have formal authority, is that you have to live by those decisions, um, and even if they are unpopular, it's not compromise your yourself or your integrity or those va- that value core value system that you have. And uh, you know it's hard not to put everything in context of what we're going on, what's going on today, and allowing that to drive our discussions. You know every hour, but. You know we're in unprecedented, unprecedented, unprecedented times, and you know you and I we talk, you know you you just hit it on the head where you said that um, you have to make decisions that are logical and proactive, um, and you know especially in times with now with the information that we have, um, because it's so ambiguous and uncertain, that yeah. sometimes you might have to just make an unpopular decision, uh, focusing on the safety and welfare of those under your care um, and it might be uncomfortable because it's change and you know and people are going to fight that change up front because you know they might feel a sense of loss because you know like making a decision to tell people to telework and you will be at home and there, here's a restriction that we're going to put on you you know that's change and people are feeling feeling like there's a loss of flexibility and mobility and you know their freedoms right so to speak um, that they're going to fight you on that loss and that change, but as a leader, it's going to be uncomfortable, and you might get a little pushback. But because you believe so strongly in your core values of ensuring that they're safe and they're taken care of, that you're going to stick by that, and you're you're not gonna you're not gonna compromise yourself. So,
1: well, and I think it comes, and we didn't say it, but the communication aspect is huge. I've heard a lot of people come out recently and say you should over communicate. I'm not sure if overcommunicate is the right word or the terminology about what I'm trying to get after. I'm what I think when you do make those unpopular decisions, you should be giving people the rationale potentially behind it and the what's in it for them. What what bigger about it is not going to be in their best interest today, but down the road it actually will be the better decision for not only them but for the rest of the team or organization. Um, the way that you and it's not selling. I don't see it as kind of this marketing and and trying to sell a, a decision to people because sometimes you're just going to have to make the decision because it is, you know, something that's either demanded or you just have to do. And it's kind of like being a parent. It's just that's what what you have to do. It's part of your authority. But conversely, having that follow-up conversation with each individual or group or however it is, however they intake information from you as the leader or the authority figure, um, you really got to have that moment to, to hear their feedback, validate their feedback, and then give them kind of the opportunity to understand where you're coming from. So at least say they feel validated with their perspective. And it's not just this one direction of decision making and communication flow constantly.
0: Yeah, so I think the communication piece is, is, is critical. I, I don't know if I don't know if you can ever over communicate as long as you're doing it effectively, right? Just to put That's out That's what I'm of, trying to say. Yeah, yeah, just to put out a bunch of emails and and and, inf- and, and information. It's just data, right? And yep. now you're you're asking people to to make sense of it all. I think that if you well, go ahead.
1: Well, you said it. You know, we, the the authority figure, the formal authority they need to be able to synthesize and and make sense. And then as you make decisions, those should be effectively communicated. So it's all kind of woven together here. Um, And I hope our listeners are understanding what we're saying. You know, we have seen, I'm sure you could agree, a lot of these emails flowing through from people that are in our organization and others that they went to a meeting, here's a bunch of meeting notes and they just throw it into without any kind of rationale or kind of a bottom line up front or a, you know, a so what upfront so that I don't have to spend 20 to 30 minutes reading through all of this, trying to pick out the one or two things that are important to me. Um, I, it's, it's so critical not to inundate just all this noise and make it kind of clear and concise and impactful.
0: Yeah, I think that's important too, because then after a while, people start to drown out the noise, right? So every time they get an email from said individual, if, you know, the first couple times it's not impactful or effective, um, then they just they, they'll, they'll throw it away. Right. And we, yeah, we talk, it's
1: like the boy who cried wolf syndrome. <laughs>
0: you know, we talk about all the time, especially when it comes to formal leadership. It's having that skill to provide effective feedback because communication is feedback. Right. So, you know, talk about here's the situation. Here are some of the things that might uh, impact you. You know, so this decision was made or this restriction was put in place um, or, you know, this restriction was relieved. And here's the impact to you. Here's the so what and what's in it for you. Right. Like you had mentioned before. So. Um, but yeah, you know, so those are a few things. Right. You know, we talked about, you know, empathetic leaders, you know, having that balance and looking at um, holistically um, what's going on with with the workforce and the people under your care, um, communicating with them, listening to their needs and then ultimately having that human element to, to understand you know where they're at and you know where you're at and communicate that but so that's that's more formal leadership right so you know you have people with authority and they have that formal leadership because of the role and their position in an organization but then you also have um those 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 ninjas right those those <laughs> those people within the organization that you know are making things happen um they're they're like robin hood right? They're uh, robbing from the poor or from the rich to to serve the poor or, you know, those charismatic people within the organization that have, they probably have more authority um, because they have the voice of the people than those in charge. All right. So that informal leadership. So, you know, have you witnessed that? And, you know, why is that important within an organization?
1: I think it's critical. That's that support structure that happens given any kind of community organization family unit that you have it's always the person that you go to not, not only in times of stress like potentially today but even in the in the organization the community the 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 circle of uh, of people that you're around these are those go-to people those are the people that you always know are going to have maybe the best information on something they're going to get you in contact with somebody else um, you know and they they typically are very selfless in in nature and they always are going to have this yes attitude and if they don't have an answer or a solution or even um, an answer on that given moment, they're going to work with you to get you to the one person that uh, happens to potentially help you the most. And I think that informal network and and relationships that you have inside of an organization or community that you're in. Those are the those are the true change agents, if you will. That that's the people that I look at um, as having the most of that influence. And the the magical part of this is if you really have a, a strong person in this role, they don't even care about the authority they have. They just have the greater good always at heart, and that's what I think is really em- emblematic about these people. And it's so awesome when you find them, keep them close, and just always have them on that speed dial. You're, what
0: do you call it? The power wheel that you talk about? Oh yeah. The power wheel. Yeah. So yeah, man, yeah, I think that's important too. Cause you said you, you hit it on the head. I think it's the relationships that's, it's extremely important with those people that have that informal authority, right? Um, they're the ones that kind of navigate the politics and they, you know, they, they have, they have the respect of those with formal authority and they have the ones that probably don't have as much informal or that much, uh, formal authority, but they want, they want their voices heard. Um, you know, I, I see it all the time um, that, you know, those people with informal authority might not be popular with those with formal authority because there might be a sense of um, power struggle mm-hmm. because those people have the, the voice of the people. Um, but I think that if you are in a position of formal authority, you should seek out those with the informal authority because you know who they are. Um, It's 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 no secret. They're the ones that walk around and they glide on clouds through the the organization. They're in the water cooler talks. They're the ones having lunch with the with the workforce. They're the ones invited to the the baby showers, you know, to, you know, or weddings to cut the cake with the couple. You know, I'm being facetious, but, you know, those those are the people, right, that make things happen around you. And if you have the formal authority and you have that relationship with those with informal authority, um, you can leverage their strengths that you don't have um, to make some real work happen, um, some real change happen too, because these people um, are p- potentially SMEs in their organization. So, you know, you and I, we talk about it all the time. Within our organization or our community, we have a triad of individuals that, you know, <laughs> that they make things happen in our sphere, of, uh, our, you know, in our world. And those three individuals are good people to have good relationships and be a part of your power wheel if you really want to get things done. Um, yeah. I won't say what their position is or who they are, but, you know, they're, those are the ones that um, really, really make things happen. Um, and if you're in a position of formal authority, you know, you and I both are, is that, you know, we make sure that we have good relationships with those people. And, and I think that helps us in our day to day.
1: What's great about those people you're mentioning, um, and just is just so that others that's listening to this can think of those around them, they have no political interests at heart at all. They're all about making the mission happen, making the work happen, and being successful at the end of the day. I, I don't see any kind of political motivation with them whatsoever, and that makes me so grateful and happy to work with them, because when we're talking about work or a new kind of requirement or a new activity that we need to get after. Um, It's only about the work and they put title aside and they just kind of give me options or courses of action or whatever it happens to be and say, this is how we're going to do it. And it's, that's, that's the answer. And people live with it and it's, they just, that's just who they are. It's great.
0: And I think, you know, as as, uh, people that have the formal authority or positions of authority, I think one competency that we didn't talk about now that we're just, you know, hit me is, self-awareness right hmm. to understand where your blind spots are and look around you to see who can help fill that blind spot for you and that if you give those people or you build a relationship with those people and you give them a sense of um belonging or a sense that they're needed wanted that their experience is is um i don't want to say it it's it's valued
1: i don't know, I don't know yeah
0: exactly right that we value trusted. their expertise um and that they can make a difference that they're going to jump all in you know you say it all the time they're going to step into their bigness and jump in the deep end with us right yeah. i used all your buzzwords but <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i want to shout out real quick so unc university of north carolina chapel hill uh keenan flagler business school I went through an executive leader program that they have, and the one word they talk about with these people is influence. And it's all about the influence that these people have. They just have that knack, that you called it charisma, that kind of interpersonal skill to get into said leader's office without a moment's notice. They can literally walk in, if it's a director, a commander, a chief executive officer, whoever it happens to be, Without an impromptu, and it's all impromptu. They got that that in, inner road to get inside, have a conversation, make make a decision happen. And those are the folks that truly drive change in organizations. That's just what it comes down to. And we can like it or not, but it's just the reality. And once you get on board with that kind of model that they teach, um, it just opens your eyes. And to your point, the self awareness. Where do you see yourself on this influential type scale? And they do give you some kind of um, exercises and um, tactics to move yourself farther along that influential scale. Um, it's, it, it's just a really interesting model. Maybe we'll uh, share that with the, with the rest of our listeners sometime.
0: Yeah. It's, that's interesting. Cause I was just told the other day that, um, and it, someone said it in jest, but you know, I, I took, you know, took heed to it is that I told this individual, they have a great skill in leading up, right? Because they have great they have a great skill in influencing leaders to do certain things. And this person, you know, when they talk to me, they talk to me very kindly, very open. They break it down to Cliff Notes version because uh, even if it's highly technical, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm technical, but, you know, I'm not an engineer. Right. Um, but. They break it down to a way where you know they 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 ultimately get what they want because they they have such a great skill of of leading up and i think that's important sometimes that even if you feel like you're not in a position of formal authority you can leverage your informal authority and your influence like you just said to ensure that what needs to happen happens you know because
1: and those are the true like i said those are the people making things happen in organizations and at the end of the day, if you're in this kind of quadrant of, you know, without much formal authority, but you have a lot of, you know, the mode of influence inside of an organization, the sky's the limit. Absolutely. Literally. Yeah. I'm yeah. with
0: you all day long because now you're relatable. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and the people are going to view you as a uh, Batman, right? So you're not really in a position of authority, but every time we turn that light on, you show up.
1: Well, um, and, and not to segue too much, but on this same kind of topic, the people that are in the formal authority roles, making bad decisions and having bad influence on an organization, those are those toxic leaders that everybody listening to this happens to have seen at least once in their life, I guarantee it. And those are the folks you got to be the most leery of and the most um, kind of averse of because they could literally drive an organization into the ground because it's all self-serving. It's not about the organization and the, and the, and the we versus the I. And um, you just have to know when those folks are in those positions and try and build that kind of coalition against it if you have to.
0: Yeah, I think we could probably touch on a different episode because right now we're just talking about the different types of roles and we're talking about formal versus informal. And we haven't even gotten to and that's just authority. We haven't gotten to leadership yet.